let me ask you a few questions this morning, just as we start to think about um, awe and the glory of God. How, how many of you can remember the first time you went on the internet? The first time. Yeah, some of you are like, I was born on the internet. I'm talking about you got to be a little bit older. You know what I'm saying? You remember the first time? You remember that bing, bing, bing? So you got to be a certain age to even know what that noise is, right? How many of you remember that? Yeah? And you're sitting there like, okay, I'll go to the bathroom and come back. Maybe I'll be online. See, some of you, you missed all of that. That's not even fair. Like, you've been connected to the Internet since the day you were born. You don't even know what we're talking about. How many of you remember, now that's a little bit older, how many of you remember um, when the 1980 U.S. Olympic hockey team beat Russia for the gold? Yes! Yes! I love it! I'm like an I'm like Olympic maniac, man. When America's in the Olympics, I'm America all the way. Wipe the earth with their face. That's how I go into the Olympics. Like, I want to demolish every country, line them up, and beat them all. That's how I feel. Sorry, it's evil, and God's going to help me pray for me. How many of you remember um, in the 19, I think, 92 U.S. Olympics when the committee decided to allow NBA players and in the, in the, in the, there was the dream team. Remember the dream team? Oh, yes! We own the world. Those were good days, weren't they? Now, unfortunately, basketball's getting better all over the world. But they had no idea what they were in for. A lot of fun. All right, a little more heavy, a little more heavy. How many of you remember um, when the uh, space shuttle Challenger, I think 47 seconds into flight, exploded? Do you remember that? Yeah, that, 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 was, that, was, uh, that was a terrible day. Uh, this is older than I am. Some of you didn't know that was possible. This is older than I am. Um, some of you will remember this. I do not. I was not born. Do you remember the day that Martin Luther King Jr. was shot? Yeah? Yeah, man. Whole, whole different thing there. I mean, it uh, changed a lot of stuff, didn't it? Do you remember, um, most of you will remember this, where you were when you saw those planes fly into the Twin Towers, 9-11, uh, heavy, heavy, heavy. Okay, so here, here's what we know. These events are bigger than the sum of their parts. In other words, we look at these events and we see them happen and we know that something profound is occurring, but we don't understand its full meaning in the moment. The event is bigger than the sum of its parts. So maybe you've had this feeling uh, in nature. Maybe you, you know, had the opportunity. Uh, how many of you have been able to stand on the bank of Niagara Falls and look at the water? Have you, some of you seen that? I got to see that. And, and it was, uh, it was um, spring uh, in, in Buffalo, which we would call the middle of January down here. It's freezing, and big chunks of ice were going off the waterfall, off the edge. How many of you have uh, had the opportunity to walk through Cades Cove in Tennessee. Yeah? Oh, right. This is oh, beautiful, isn't it? What about uh, I've never got to do this. I want to, but I haven't yet. How many of you've got to look across the vastness of the Grand Canyon? Yeah? Oh, see, that's a big hole. You know, I I want to I want to look into that one day and see what's going on there. Most of us now, most of us if not everybody, you've been able to to sit on the beach and watch the waves crash in. Yes? Yeah, isn't it, isn't it cool? Uh, you've had the opportunity to stare up at a clear night sky and identify constellations. Yeah, cool, right? Okay, 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 one more. 
How many of you have ever had the opportunity to be on top of a tall mountain, look out across a mountain range, and watch it snow? Oh, this is beautiful, isn't it? How many of you can't wait for this to end so you can stop raising your hand? <laughs> yes, yes, I see that hand, I see that hand, okay, okay. Because you want to go back to playing on your phone or whatever else you're doing, you can't do that with one hand, right? Okay, you're right. Some of the younger ones that are talented can. All this creates inside of us this feeling that we say, this is awesome. We see these events, good or bad, we see these moments and we say, these are awesome. And the root word there is awe. They leave us in awe, and that's what the name of this series is we're starting today. Psalm 33, 8 says, Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. For He spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. The Hebrew word for awe is an overwhelming feeling of reverence, admiration, fear, produced by something that is grand, sublime, and extremely powerful. So we experience awe when we look out across the vastness of the Grand Canyon or we stare up at the night sky and we identify constellations that are millions of miles away or when we see something awful like 9-11 happen, it creates this reaction in us of all its fear and wonder of something we can't completely comprehend at the time. Modern psychologists tell us that we humans, they mostly agree, that we humans experience 10 emotions. And here they are. Love, remorse, fear, anger, sadness, trust, surprise, anticipation, joy, and yuck. <laughs> Disgust. But in 2007, Dr. Paul Pearsall published a book called The 11th Emotion. And he calls the 11th universally experienced emotion, awe. Now what, what I want to do is just read a little paragraph from his book that, that really unpacks this concept of awe powerfully, if you'll just uh, look at it with me. He says, my study of awe indicates that its defining characteristic is what psychologists uh, call ego death. Awe is ego death, meaning dissolution of the sense of self replaced by a feeling of total immersion in and in connection with something more vast and meaningful. All's ability to briefly kill our ego or block our brain's egotism is one of the most powerful means for enhancing our mental, physical, and spiritual well-being. So, so what is this thing we're talking about? This all is an ego killer. It destroys the human ego. If you want your life to change, if you want to grow, if you want to be closer to God, you have to experience the awe of His presence and His work. You have to experience the awe of His presence and His work. Now, the person in this room who's least likely to change. Let me tell you who it is. And it has been all of us at some point. We've all experienced this. But the person least likely to change today in this room 
is the one that is too much of something. T-O-O, too much of something, has become too familiar. I've been in church all my life. I've seen it. I've seen it all. There's no awe because religion has set in. Or the person who's too smart. Hey, I, I see through all this. I see the lights and the video and the talent and the singing and the clapping. I see through all this. I know how all this works. I have education. I'm very experienced. I'm very successful. I know how this all runs. And there's no, there's no awe because pride has set in. Or too selfish. The Bible is good and church is good and the, the little sermon is good, and, and a God is good, and I'm sure it's going to enhance my life, and I'm sure it's going to get me where I'm going, but there's no awe because this is just transactional. I'm just here to not be changed. I'm here to pick up something to help me do what I was already doing anyway. Or too comfortable. I would pursue God. I would pursue His plans for me. I would sacrifice, but I've finally gotten to a place in my life where I'm comfortable. Now, that doesn't mean your life is good. I've met people in bad circumstances who are comfortable. They've just gotten comfortable with it. But it might be that your circumstances are good, and you've just gotten comfortable, and you don't want to move, and there's no awe because apathy is set in. Dr. Pearsall says awe is ego death. When is the last time that you experienced awe of God's presence? When is the last time you opened the Bible and something jumped up off the page and you went, has that been there all this time? I've read that a hundred times or I've never read that in my life and here it is. And some truth of God jumped up on you and you went, oh, I didn't know that. When's the last time you experienced awe over God's church, over his over his presence, over his work, over what he's doing. In this series, we're going to be talking about all. Now, let me give you a definition of all. If you, I, I, I hope, if you don't remember anything else today, you remember this. Or, or maybe you even want to write it down. What is all? All is when we realize what God is doing is more important than what we're doing. Man, that's good. Well, nobody else was going to do it, so I had to do it. All is when we realize what God is doing is more important than what we're doing. So in this series, we're going to talk about the awe of God's presence. We're going to talk about the awe of God's salvation. We're going to talk about the awe of partnership with God. But today, we're going to start with the awe of God's glory. Now, glory is sort of one of those ethereal terms. We don't really use it very often in everyday life. It sounds religious, like floating on a cloud, or reindeer dust, or the third heaven. What does it have to do with everyday life? A few minutes ago, we just sang that song, show me your glory, show me your glory. God, show me your glory. I want to show you where that verse came from, in, uh, or that song came from. In Exodus 33, 17, it says this, And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you've asked, because I'm pleased with you, and I know you by name. Then Moses, what did he say? What did Moses say? Show me what? Show me your glory. Show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause my goodness, all my goodness, to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy 
on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Now, the word glory, one of the words for glory in Hebrew is the word wait, not W-A-I-T. Not be patient, but wait, W-E-I-G-H-T. So the glory of something is how much it weighs or what it's known for. So if we were to attach that meaning to some uh, uh, more famous Bible characters, we would say that the glory of King David was his military genius. The glory of Solomon was his wisdom. The glory of the woman in Song of Solomon was her beauty. The, the glory of Samson was his strength. The glory of Job was his faithfulness and suffering. If we put it in a modern example, we might say the glory of a cheetah is its amazing speed. Or the glory of a peacock is its beautiful feathers. The glory of the sunset is its uh, beautiful sun rays. The glory of something defines its weight or its most powerful attribute. So when Moses asked God, show me your glory, what was he, what was he saying? How much do you weigh? You ever have anybody ask you how much you weigh? You're not going to raise your hand, are you? How much you weigh? I, I, I remember one time a guy asked me how much I weighed. And uh, it, it, we did our church in Mississippi, he asked me how much I weighed. And I think he wanted to fight. I think he wanted to fight me. He was mad, he was mad at me about something. He asked me how much I weighed. And, and he was a board member, so I didn't know what was going on there. And he wanted to fight me, and I said, 350. <laughs> that, baby. Boom! Done! Some of that. So, how, mu how much do you weigh? Well, God says... More than you think. No one sees God and lives. So, so you, you flash back to Woodstock. He's heavy. Heavy. God's heavy. He's heavy. And he says basically, look, it'll kill you. My you ask for something. If I give it to you, you're going to die. My glory's too heavy. What, so what is God's most powerful attribute? All of them. So if you want God's glory, if you want what God's known for, it, it's, it's everything. God can't unload himself on Moses. It'll crush him. So God basically says, okay, look, here's what I'm going to do. I like you. I love you. You love me. I know your name. You, you're a good follower. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to show you a little of my glory. And here's how it's going to go down. I'm going to put my hand over you, and I want to pass by. And just as I pass, I'm going to pull my hand off. And you can just see a glimpse of me for a minute. And I'm going to show you one thing about myself. And that's it. Because if I, if I give you more, it's over. And I love you. I don't want to hurt you. Do you know what the one thing was that God showed him? His goodness. Oh. His goodness. His goodness. Isn't that what God is still trying to show everybody? Thousands of years later. Convince the world that he's good. It says in uh, verse 19, And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. This morning, I want to show you three descriptions of God's glory, and I've already given you the first one. The first description is God's glory is God's weight. 
God's glory is His immeasurable uh, weight. The immeasurable... um, It's more than the goodness of God, but it usually starts with the goodness of God. And that thing carries itself on oftentimes throughout our life. So here's the second one. God's glory is is His light. God's glory is His light. So when you you read the word uh, glory in the Old Testament... A lot of times it comes from this Hebrew word called Shekinah. Shekinah. And in the Old Testament, there are a lot of examples of the glory of God appearing like a cloud. Remember when we sang that song a few minutes ago, uh, Cloud? This is where the idea comes from. A lot of times in the Old Testament, God's glory would appear like a cloud, and oftentimes it would be glowing and have an um, illuminating character to it. It would, it would be um, lighting something. Maybe you're familiar with the story of how um, Moses led one million people from slavery in Egypt to the promised land. And, and God was you know, directing them all the way. Well, the question is, how did they know where to go? How did they know which way to go? Nobody knew where the promised land was. The Bible says that those one million people were led with a cloud by day and a fire by night. So this, the glory of God... Gave direction. Which way do we go? The glory of God was like a light that gave direction. Now, what I want to do is just do a little five-minute Bible study, and I want to show you several places where we see the glory of God as a light. Second Chronicles 3, the day Solomon dedicated the temple, the Bible says, Then the temple of the Lord was filled with a cloud, and the priests could not perform their services because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the temple. So, so this concept of the glory of God as a, as a light, as a cloud and a light. The book of Revelations tells us just how bright this cloud is going to be. It says when we get to heaven, there's not going to be a sun anymore. We're not going to need a sun because the glory of God is going to light the city. That's going to be the source of illumination and light. We tell this story at Christmas a lot of times. When the angel appeared to the shepherds in the field, remember the little children's play? The shepherds were out doing their deal. And, and it says, the glory of the Lord shone round about them. That's, there was a light on them. And when Jesus took his three closest disciples and revealed himself to them as he actually was and revealed his glory, Matthew 17 says, he was transfigured before them, his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Now, here, here's what's important today. In all these verses, there's something critical that we can't miss, and we tend to miss, the, miss them because of the dramatic, because of the cloud, because of the mist, because of the rain, because of the whatever the supernatural things that were going on there, we can get distracted by looking at them and miss what's going on behind them. Here's what's going on behind them. Every time there was a cloud, every time there was a light, every time there was a supernatural occurrence, there was a revelation given by God that changed something. It wasn't just about the thing. It wasn't about the drama. It wasn't about the supernatural. It was about something God wanted to say or do or change. It's not about fairy tales and glitter. When God's glory comes, truth is revealed and it changes everything. A light shines into your soul. Your eyes are open to something you didn't see before and (gasps) awe strikes you. 
Have you ever had one of those moments where you're reading the Bible, like we said a minute ago, and you look and you see something and you go, I didn't, I didn't see that. And you have this sense of awe, like, oh, the Bible's deeper than I thought it was. There's more in here than I thought. I remember when I was, um, I don't know, 16 or maybe I just turned 17, and uh, I, I grew up uh, in, a, in a, I grew up in a very limited, um, constricted culture. I mean, I wasn't exposed to a lot of different ideas or very narrow and prejudice, and, and uh, the community I was in was that way, very small and locked. And when I, when I came to faith in Jesus at 15 years old, it set me in conflict with many of those ideas. Because the things I was learning from the Bible, the things I was learning at church, the things I was learning in my new faith were oftentimes contradictory to the things that I had been taught or caught as a child. And it created this unbearable conflict in my soul. It was miserable. It was terrible. I, it was confusion. And I think, what am I going to do? I love these people. I love these people. These are telling me this. These are telling me this. You know, the people in the street tell me this. Sometimes people in my family tell me this. People in the church, the people from the Bible, the, it's just this big contradiction. And it was exhausting me because I didn't know how to break through the confusion. So one night we were at church and there was a prayer time. And so I went to the prayer time and I, it was like way off in the corner. I didn't even think anybody could see me. And I went over in the corner, I still remember this, and I just crumpled over on some steps, and I laid there on the steps. And I didn't even pray out loud, I just cried. I just cried. And I said, God, I'm so confused, and I don't know where else to turn, and I don't know what else to do. Please help me. Help me to know the truth. Help me to know, I don't know what's true. I don't know what's right. I don't know what's true. I'm torn, I'm just being torn in half. And I don't, and just in my soul, I was just crying and, and praying to myself. And as I was lying there, this old man came up behind me and he put his hand on my shoulder. I, 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 don't, I don't know who he was. I turned around later and looked at him. I didn't recognize him. I don't know who he is. And I went to a small church, thought I knew everybody. He put his hand on my shoulder and he just gently started to pray for me and he said, God, show him the truth. How did he know that? There was a moment of awe in my soul. How did he know? How did he know I was just crying? How did he know? And as that old man prayed for me, the confusion in my soul died. And I didn't have the answers instantly to some of the things that were confusing me, but I knew something that day more important than some answers I knew the answer. And I knew that God was going to show me. And I knew that God was going to tell me. And I knew God was going to help me. And later I learned that the Bible said that the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. I didn't know that. Nobody ever taught me that before. And it was a moment where the glory of God shined His truth into my soul. And it created awe inside. When's the last time you experienced awe? Over, over a revelation of God's truth. So, God's glory is weight. God's glory is light. Here's the last one. 
God's glory is his fame. Is his fame. Psalm 96, 3 says, Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all people. See, it's our job to spread God's reputation. That's what our job is. Now, sometimes we feel the temptation, some of us more than others, to fix God's reputation. You know, we're going to hold a press conference and explain to everybody how they misunderstood God. God doesn't need us to fix his reputation. God needs us to spread the reputation that he built for himself. We don't need to build it. We just need to spread the reputation that he has. So when we do something good or something uh, turns out good or some, someone compliments something that we, that we did, what do we do? We say, you know, maybe this sounds religious. Maybe you've heard it used in a religious way. Glory to God. But, but what do we say? Why do we say that? Because you should have known me before. I was hell on wheels. I was a hot mess. And I'm still not perfect. But can I just tell you something? If you see something good in me, I can tell you where it came from. I don't want you to be confused. It came from him. I'm here to make him famous, not me. I can tell you where anything good in my life comes from. That is what it means that God's glory is his fame. So this has everything to do with the purpose of your life. What is the purpose of your life? What is, what is the generic purpose of every person in this room's life? It is to make God famous. God's, God, God is the only person on earth that wants to be famous and should be. Right? A lot of people want to be famous. But God's the only one that wants to be and should be. So how would you do that? How, how, how would you make God famous? Look, let's don't, let's, don't, let's don't make it complicated and heavy, okay? It's not. Walk with God. Walk close to God. And tell people about Him. Done. Walk with God. Walk close to God. And tell people about him. And you know what happens? God gets famous. Because what God wants is God wants everybody on earth, everywhere, to know about him. He wants everybody to know he's good. He wants everybody to know he loves them. He wants everybody to know truth. He wants everybody to live in peace. He wants everybody to be set free. Everybody on earth. He wants to be famous. Because he loves us. And it's what's best for us. So, when I talk about me, I increase. When I talk about God, He increases. So you can see in our life some things we can do to make God famous. When I'm talking about Him, I'm decreasing. When I'm talking about me too much, He's decreasing. So we're here to make God famous. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. You were created, you were made by God, you were hand designed by God to glorify Him. When you glorify anything else, 
You live below the purpose that God made you for. And we will never know joy. We will never know peace. We will never know passion. And we'll never know fulfillment on the deepest level. Until we glorify God because it is what we were made for. And when we do it and live it out, there is this deep sense of satisfaction and joy and passion that fills our soul because we are fulfilling that for which the Creator designed us. So, okay, you're here this morning, you say, all right, that's great. What, what do I do if the all is gone? Because everybody has been there. Every Christian, unless you been saved a short time every Christian has been at a point where the all was gone and non-Christians live there most of the time so what do you do if the all is gone now uh, if, if you don't remember anything else from today the, the, if you can remember that, that all is when you know what God is doing is more important than what I'm doing and if you can remember these things I'm going to give you right now quickly if you jot them down what do you do if the all is gone? Number one, see God's work. See God's work. All is a reaction. You can't produce all. Try to produce all. <gasps> wow. It's fake. You can't produce all. All is your reaction to something that God has produced. See God's work. In order for you to be in awe of God's work, you have to see God's work. Is it possible that God is working in your life or in those around you in a way that you do not see? That's not a trick question. The answer is yes. Is it possible God's working in your life or in the lives of those around you in ways you do not see? Yes, yes, yes. Yes, He is. So how do I begin to see that which I cannot see? You practice. How do you practice? Let me give you a little question. Tonight, before you go to bed, right when you're getting ready for bed, you can spend five minutes and ask this question and it'll help you. Maybe you want to put it on your phone and let the notification pop up every day. Answer this question. Today I saw God. What? What? What did you see God do? What? Maybe you say, nothing. Great. Go to bed. Tomorrow I'll do it again. Today I saw God. What? What did you see God do? And it's so amazing that when you start to look for Him, you start to find Him. Isn't that what the Bible tells us? You will find me when you seek me with all your heart. When you practice seeking Him, you start to find Him. When you look for His work, you start to see it. And when you start to see it, now all of a sudden, <gasps> oh, only God this isn't a coincidence. Only God could have put these parts together and made this, we call it divine appointment, 
made this person meet this person or this schedule work out or this door open or this provision come. Only God could do that. And then awe starts to fill our soul. All right, here's the second thing. Thank God for His work. When you see it, you don't have to stop and have a church service. Maybe you're driving. Maybe you're in a public place and you have to do it quietly. Maybe it's 15 seconds or 10 minutes. It doesn't matter. When you see God's work, say, God, I thank you. Glory to God. I give you the credit. I, I, I didn't do this and they didn't do this and none of us humans can produce this. You're in this room working and you're invisible, but I see you with the eyes of my heart. God, you're, you're, you're up to something. Thank you. God, thank you. I'm so grateful for your work. And the more grateful you become for his work, the more of his work you'll see. Here's the last one. Join God in his work. I see your work. I'm thankful for your work. God, is there a role that you want me to play in what you're doing? What do I do? Do I, do I, am I supposed to share something right now? Am I supposed to do something? Am I supposed to open a door? Am I supposed to offer a, an action of kindness? Am I supposed to invite someone to church? Am I supposed to pray with somebody? Am I supposed to give them something? God, is there some way? Why are you letting me see this? Are you letting me see this because you want me in on it? See God's work. Thank Him for it. And join Him. And the place that you can join God's work the best is in the gifts that He's given you. So I join God in His work in teaching and preaching and leading that's how God made me. That's the gifts He gave me. But God might have given you the gift of evangelism or intercession or administration or helps or giving or, or uh, serving. Hospitality. The place that you're going to make God most famous is the place God gifted you. When you move in that role, you will see God's work more than you ever see it when you're outside your role. So this morning kind of brings us to a point where we need to pray. You may say, you know, I hear you. I hear you. That's good. That's good. But man, today, if I'm honest, I'm hurting in my soul. And I want that. I want to have all. I want to glorify God. But man, today my soul's hurt. Would you just stand with me and let me talk to you for a minute about that? I'm going to ask the prayer team to come. And everybody in the room, would you close your eyes and open your heart? Just close your eyes and open your heart. Maybe today you say, you know, I want those things, but I'm hurting. My heart hurts. You don't know what happened this week. You don't know about my marriage. You don't know about my job. You don't know what I'm going through. And today I hurt. And you know, I don't know what you're going through, but boy, I know what it feels like to hurt. 
Man, I've hurt more days than I wanted to hurt. And I understand. I really do. I might not understand specifically, but I understand generally. With every eye closed, let me tell you the thing that helps me the most when I hurt. It's that some, somehow or another I'm reminded of God's goodness. And if I'm honest, I have a hard time reconciling God's goodness when I hurt the most. When I say, God, if you're good, how can this be this bad? And why? Why, Lord? And then something will happen where God will reveal His glory to me. And He'll show me His goodness. And I'm reminded that God is good. So today, if you're here and you say, if I'm honest, I'm just being honest with you. I've had those days where I just hurt and I wondered, is God really good? And if you just be honest today and say, you know, I'm hurting today and I need to be reminded that God is good. Or I want to ask God to show me that he's good. Would you just lift your hand and say, that's me. Would you pray for me today? Just lift your hand up. Let me see it. Yeah, yeah. The middle, the middle, the back, the back, the middle, the back, and the middle, and the front. Yeah. In the balcony, in the back there. Yes. Yep. In the middle of the balcony. Yes. All, all over the room. I, man, I felt that so heavy this morning. That there are people here, you just hurt. Nobody judges you. Nobody condemns you. We just say, just be honest. And say, I just need to be I need God to show me He's good because I wonder right now. Maybe you're here today and you say, you're like I was. I'm just torn and I need God to show me the truth. I need direction. I need insight. I'm confused about something. And I just need God's glory to shine in my life and show me the truth. Would you just lift your hand if that's you and say, please pray today for me. I need some insight. Yeah, yes, yes. Front, back, middle, yes. Oh, yeah, the middle, all over the room. I can't even recognize everybody. Every, the balcony, four or five in the balcony. Okay, last thing, and we're going to pray, okay? Maybe you're hearing you say, I need God to show me His purpose in my life. In other words, why am I working at this job? Why am I in this relationship? Why am I dealing with this challenge? Why am God, why am I in the places that you put me? What is your purpose right now in this? I I need to know. I need I need direction and insight into how are you wanting to use me? How are you wanting to use the gift you gave me in this situation? I need to know, God, because I'm, I don't know, I, I can tell, I can feel that you want to do something. I don't know how to let it out. God, show me your purpose. Would you just lift your hand and say, pray for me today? Yeah, that's me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes, the room is loaded today. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to pray, and as I pray... If you lifted your hand for any of those, I want you to come and let someone on the prayer team pray for you. All we want to do is pray for you. No, nobody wants to embarrass you or anything like that. We're just going to pray for you and encourage you. Lord Jesus, I thank you today that your glory is in this room. <laughs> I thank you today that you are shining lights 
And you are, you are putting the weight of your goodness back on us. You are overwhelming us with the weight of your goodness. And I thank you today that you are making yourself famous in us where we work and where we live and with our family and our relatives and our neighbors. Lord, you are making yourself famous. So God, I pray today that you would shine your glory in this room. Come on, hands all over the room. Come on, everybody. Let's pray today. Let's pray today. Come on, let's pray today. Come on, if you lifted your hand, I want you to come right now. You gotta act on it. You gotta act on it. You gotta act on it. You gotta act on it like Moses. Moses said, show me your glory. Man, you gotta pray, you gotta move, you gotta step, you gotta act on it. God, show me your glory. Show me your glory. Reveal yourself. Show me the light of truth. Show me the way of God's presence. Show me, Lord. Show me, Lord. Show me, Lord. Show me, Lord. to do, actually it has everything to do with His glory. And so look, the worship team's going to keep singing. Here's what, I, here's what I want you to do. Man, nobody here wants you to jump through hoops or do anything you don't want to do. You know, maybe somebody's even listening to this podcast a week or two or a month from now and man, God's ministering to you. Look, just open your heart and don't leave this moment until He finishes what He wants to do. So, in just a second, I'm going to dismiss you, but I just want to encourage you. If God's not done, if you need prayer, if you lifted your hand, don't leave. We'll wait. We'll wait. We'll stay with you. Because this is more important than it. What God is doing is more important than what I'm doing, and that's called all. God bless you. Thanks for being here today.